0: What it is, it's a a swimming seven-star hotel. That's what that is. Uh, So everything that you dream of, every luxury you wanna have, everything that you can think of when you wake up or when you go to bed, everything's been taken care of. And there is a lot of management involved, a lot of uh, provisioning involved. You have to think of everything. You have to think ahead uh, for every potential occasion. Whatever is needed needs to be there because that's what the standard of a seven-star hotel is, right?
1: Hello and welcome to The Ronnie Lever Show, where every week we bring you fascinating guests with inspiring stories of success and overcoming obstacles from the world of sports, business and entertainment. To support this channel, please subscribe, turn on the notification bell and hit the like button so that we can deliver you the best content possible. First story sounds like out of a movie. Just before finishing her university studies in Vienna, she took a timeout in Florida From an au pair, started making connections in the yacht industry and from building up a private island at the Bahamas to being a private chef on a mega yacht in the South Pacific, her life was nothing short of an adventure. She organized luxury fairs and headed several global marketing departments, changed her career paths several times and what she's doing now, we're going to get into that right away. So... Please welcome, without further ado, here is, I'm happy to have her on the show, Nina Habarina. Woo!
0: <laughs> Hi, it's so good to see you. Thanks for having me. Super, super excited about our exchange today.
1: Oh, so great to see you as well. And, and when you hear all of that, like when you look at your life today, and I know that you have looked at it quite a lot, uh, thinking back of your journey, what comes to mind to you?
0: Well, hearing you play that... Back to me makes me think who is that girl and can I meet her um it kind of sounds um like somebody else's life uh but uh yeah it's a, it, it was an adventure it's amazing and I love I love actually listening to you say it rather than me tell it
1: then it sounds true doesn't it
0: um well I know it to be true so yes but um it really doesn't, no. It, and it doesn't, it doesn't seem, you know, when, when, when you're in the middle of your adventure, when you're in the middle of creating your dreams, um, it doesn't seem so special or it doesn't seem particularly cool or particularly something that, that, that you think you're going to look back at and say, wow, this was amazing. Um, so after doing all of this and at the end of the road, now actually summarizing it like that makes you wonder, Hmm, no actually that was quite cool no actually it was something to be proud of
1: and just to to actually be um saying something to that you're not at the end of the road yet not by far not not by, <laughs> by me so, true um, <laughs> but you know let, let's let's go back to the beginning because that's not something that you can imagine as a kid like i'm gonna be um for example a private chef on a yacht somewhere in the south pacific like Especially coming from Vienna, where there's not even an ocean close to Austria. So, what was your, what did you think that you were gonna become when you were a kid?
0: Uh, well, that's a good question. Uh, originally, I thought I'm gonna become a, an interior designer, but um, then my mom always told me there is so much mathematics involved, and I hated mathematics. So I thought, no, what, well, that's not gonna be my path. Um, and then I, then I just thought I'm gonna live a very normal life uh, studying international business administration following in my uh, father's footsteps as being the head of marketing in some company and then i don't know uh becoming very successful at this Um, and then there was this other side of me really wanting to travel really wanting to see the world and uh just being creative and enjoying enjoying life really making the most of it not making the most for everybody else and uh and that was me deciding to try something else and being brave in doing so. Um, but I didn't think that that's, that would be the, the outcome of it, to be honest. we just followed a dream that I thought was great.
1: The reason why I also was thinking that you would be a great add to have on the show is because there are so many lessons in your in your story and there's so many life learnings and also it's, a, it's an adventure and for many people it's a dream. So, so let's, let's, let's take a step back to actually how all of that started because you went to school, you graduated from school, it was a school with a business major, afterwards you went to the University of Economics in Vienna and you also were studying a marketing major and, and you were basically almost done and then you had a calling. Um, Basically, you moved to the U.S. So tell us how that happened. And and I'm sure your parents were maybe not so amused.
0: (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Uh, Well, um great summary that's pretty much how it all started i was just doing um the works and i was just doing what everybody else expected somebody from austria to do study um and become become i don't know a major in something and uh, like i said i always wanted to travel and i was looking for ways to do that but there was no money um there was no opportunities uh to have a job someplace abroad with my age Uh, so i was just continuing to wait for an opportunity to show up and when i was I think 23 years, uh, I was almost done with my major. This one opportunity uh, came out of the blue and it was literally being an au pair for dogs. And I'm not joking. It wasn't wasn't even a kid's au pair. It was an au pair for a miniature and a giant schnauzer in Florida. Um, Attached to it was also being the assistant of a diving school. So um, uh, there was this huge struggle inside of me thinking whether I should now kind of take a pause and a break and then move to Florida <laughs> a dog au care and an assistant in a dive school or to continue becoming, becoming a marketer and running my own business and doing what, like I said, everybody else wanted me to do. Um, it was a, it was really a big struggle. Uh, at some point I decided, F the others, of, uh, the challenge and I moved to the States.
1: Wow. Um, what? What made you actually like? What was the tipping point? Why? Why did you actually do it? And also, what did your parents say?
0: Uh, the reason why I did it is because I felt this was me. Um, I had the bureaucrat in my head saying, "Hey, continue your studies. You know, otherwise you're not going to become anything. Uh, you're not going to be successful. You're just going to like don't." take any risk and then there was the free thinker inside of me thinking oh you always wanted to travel hey this is your chance you know there's not going to be another op- opportunity coming around so fast follow your heart chase your dream you know there is a difference between being a dreamer and being somebody who chases after the dream and actually making it real um that was the that was the the decision making process and that's why I finally did it my parents of course weren't too happy because my father being a bureaucrat himself Thinking, well, child, you know, statistics say you're just gonna screw it up and that's not gonna work out good. And my mom was just being a typical mom, saying, oh my God, my daughter going all the way to the States all by herself, that's just nuts. Uh, But she was supportive. So, um, yeah, I I bought my plane ticket with the little money that I had and thought, well, venture, I'm coming.
1: Alright, so so okay, so take us with you because from there I actually started out an adventure for several years that that is quite mind-blowing and, and, and hard to grasp for anybody in a traditional job or in a traditional career path, so to say. So you went from being a an pair and dining school assistant to actually the next thing that is on your classical resume or CV is managing or like managing the rebuild of a private island at the bahamas
0: yeah so um, how fun is that? Story there. <laughs> so um I I was actually I was only planning to be there for 6 months and then go back to study and uh after the 6 months came to an end I met a lot of people in the yachting industry in these six months I met a guy who was an engineer at Mastercraft boats in Tennessee he was just doing a sea trial for another wakeboarding boat so I kind of hung out with those guys um in the evenings and during the day and got in touch with the yachting industry um first time in my life and after the six months came to an end there was
1: you were not you were not a boats person before or something
0: no never never been on a boat before oh well maybe when I was a kid I think once but uh it was inflatable so does that count probably not um no so I wasn't a boat person before but I met those those beautiful people and um I was quite fascinated by the industry itself I mean it's mega yachts you know it's uh those ones belong to the rich and famous that you can only dream of and uh it was it was really fascinating but the the crew on those yachts, whether it was captains or chefs or just stewards, were so down to earth. They were just really fun to hang out with. So that's that's how I, how I got in touch with the industry, how I kind of also made my friends in the States first. And when the six months came to an end, uh, my gig of being a dog pair and an assistant in a dive school kind of was finished. I really struggled again, making the decision whether to go back and finish my degree or to stay longer. And um, after kind of fighting that battle too, the internal battle between the bureaucrat and again, the free thinker wanting different things, I decided to stay and um, got in touch or actually a yacht broker got in touch with me because it was it was a hurricane season at that point. And I think there was hur- Hurricane Charlie just left and there was another hurricane coming our way. And this one left a lot of damage in the Bahamas. And then there was this beautiful private island called Sandy Key uh, with a mansion, a main mansion, and a lot of little guest houses for the owner's friends. And there was a gym on it and and all kinds of fun toys and tools. And uh, Hurricane Francis, I think it was, kind of blew over that and and destroyed a lot of it. And they were looking for somebody with a business background um, to deal with the insurance to work out uh, everything that needs to be um, solved there and also to rebuild those particular beautiful houses that were there for the guests and the owner. And since I was um, ordering in business and uh, also having uh, uh, yeah, a ba- background in all of that, they asked me to fly to the Bahamas, to move to the Bahamas in my little private chat and, uh, and fix that. So that's what I did. It was uh, exciting and, uh, and insane and um, <laughs> nothing I expected that would happen, actually. But uh, wow. it was fun.
1: Very cool and very incredible. And then when you were there, you were there for a few months, managed that, and then suddenly you were working on mega yachts.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was there for three months, and uh, it was particularly on the weekends. It was quite lonely. The Bahamas were full of men and not very many women, and my friends were in West Palm Beach, so um, it felt lonely at times. And I made friends with the pilot um, of the owner of the island, and he kind of flew me back every weekend to meet my friends. It all sounds so surreal telling this story, but this just what happened. And um, after the three months came to a close, um, the, the insurance was happening. Happy the. The the houses were rebuilt. Everything was back to normal. They offered me to stay longer, but um, I really didn't want to stay longer in the Bahamas. It it sounds so beautiful, but if your friends are not there, you know, it's still uh, like a bunch of remote islands. So I I flew back to West Palm Beach and then um, I got a job offer in the south of France uh, working on yachts there. So that's when I moved to the Mm -hmm. south of France. And uh, that's where the story continued being on mega yachts for many, many years.
1: So, yeah, so you were in the south of France, like in the Côte d'Azur, like basically in Cannes and in Monaco and Antibes and, and you were basically, take us with you because you said living on mega yachts for, for many years and, and well, probably 99% of the people are, like, will never actually or have never set foot on a mega yacht. So uh, tell us, how, how is actually living on a mega yacht and, and wh- like how big is that? Just to give it some proportions, how many people work on that and, and what is it like?
0: The, it varies really to say a mega yacht is this and this size and this is how many people work on it. That doesn't work because it really depends on, on how big you want to play it, right? There is from 26 meters up to 53 stories with helicopters, without helicopters. They, some mega yachts have another mega yacht attached to them because that's where the crew lives. Um, so it really varies. You can, as big as you can dream it, it can happen and probably even bigger than that. In my particular case, I was um, working on yachts that were around 30, 30 meters and um, crew between five and eight max. Uh, and uh, in cheap, we were a very small crew. It was just three of us. It was um, a smaller yacht. And I also, it, it also always... There is a difference between who you work for you know there is a there is particular cultures that make it harder to work with than others so i was always looking for uh somebody owning the yacht that was adventurous that was fun that was obviously rich enough to own this but obviously also fun enough to want to work with and to hang out with um so there was a there was always a, a balance to be found to really be happy on sought to big um, yeah, then what it is, it's a, it's a swimming seven star hotel. That's what that is. Uh, so, everything that you dream of, every luxury you want to have, everything that you can think of when you wake up or when you go to bed, everything's been taken care of. And there is a lot of management involved, a lot of uh, provisioning involved. You have to think of everything. You have to think ahead uh, for every potential occasion. Whatever is needed needs to be there because that's what the standard of a seven star hotel is, right?
1: Of course. So when you when you began working on those on those mega yachts, what was your job like? like what did you do?
0: I was um, I was one. So I was staying in Antigua at that point, and there was another yacht in Juana Pons. So it was kind of going back and forth between those two yachts, uh, and I was yacht sitting one yacht uh, because there was no owner uh, yet. It kind of changed owner at that point. So yacht were-
1: sitting. That's like well, the pier for the going from the pier from the for yeah. the dogs to the pier for the yacht. <laughs>
0: And it is, uh, I would call it, it it takes up the same maintenance, actually, as dogs. (laughs) You kind of need to take it out. The
1: owner (laughs) or the yacht?
0: Both. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it was a yacht sitting in Antif and in Juan Le Pen, it was about uh, creating an inventory. It was a... A boat that was going through a refit that's when the yacht is hauled out of the water and kind of everything gets uh goes through maintenance you make sure that everything is in order that everything's on board so somebody needs to create an inventory seeing if the yachts need new uh, the yacht needs new provisioning or anything else that the next guests might actually need um so that's what i did there and i was helping with the refit so i wasn't really playing an active role on any of those yachts yet i was actually just um which i found more fun i was one visiting the yachts and then doing something and then actually going back to my own house and having a fun time there so yeah
1: and then so that was in the south of france and then actually you got a job on a yacht back in florida
0: yes um that was actually that's actually quite a fun story because i thought when i talked about my life oh it sounds like a vacation and it was a never-ending job kind of work seven days a week and sometimes you work from five o'clock in the morning until two o'clock in the morning and uh and since i'm not i didn't come from money everything that i made needed to be put towards living in a particular place right so there wasn't extra or something um so with this gig of yacht sitting one yacht and then doing the inventory on another yacht there wasn't tons of money coming in and uh, there was another job lined up in the south of France that I was kind of waiting for but that job took more patience than I thought so it took me longer to get that deal happening and uh, at some point my my money was kind of running out I was there with a friend and we were saying well you know this is we can't do this much longer at some point we need to really find a full-time position on a yacht again or something else because you know I mean, where are we going to live? Um, and I think it was the last day of us still having enough money to buy a bottle of red wine and filling up the, the gas for the car to drive back to Austria if worse comes to worse. And uh, we were sitting in this restaurant with this last glass of wine, kind of a little tipsy, already feeling better about us. So I was like, oh, whatever. If the job doesn't come through, it doesn't matter. We make it happen. You know, what, what red wine can do to you? And at this moment, we got a call from a friend from Florida saying, hey, you know what? There is a position as a chef and a captain available in Florida for um, a really amazing trip going through the intracoastal all the way up to New York, uh, to the Erie, to Lake Erie and then the Great Lakes. And it's a yacht just run by two. So it's literally for, for me and my friend. Uh, and uh, everything was paid for. The flights were paid for. So we decided to take the car back to Austria, drop everything off, say hi to my parents and then pretty much get on the plane and go back to Florida to do this trip of a lifetime.
1: Wow. Um, how, How many years have you been like at this point? How many years have you been away at this point? And also what did your parents say to that? Like, oh, my God. My daughter, she almost graduated from university and, and she's basically all over the place, but she's not doing what she's supposed to do. Or how was that?
0: I think at this point, it was probably a year and a half, I guess. Um, and my, I think my dad was still shaking his head. <laughs> I think he hasn't stopped at that point. <laughs> and uh, my, mom, my mom was better with dealing with the anxiety she had because I was living abroad and traveling so much and doing all of that. My mom was never worried about jobs. She was never worried that I would not make it. That was not her fear. Her fear was, oh my God, what if my daughter drowns? Or what if she ends up in the wrong street? Um, My dad was more concerned about me not making it in life if I continue this lifestyle. And um, he he didn't mean harm by that. He was just really worried about his daughter. Uh, But uh, I think they were still struggling with me uh, being gone for so long
1: what were your thoughts at the time because also for everybody i mean i believe that there are many people out there who would love to do something like what you did or who would love to to go out and embark on an adventure of a lifetime and there are a lot of doubts in 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 people's minds or in people's heads like oh my god um i have no idea how to start i don't know how to do it i don't know what, what if this happens what like many many more what ifs that come to mind and and also fears and doubts and, and to also overcome that. What what was going on inside of you? Uh,
0: oh, it was it was a war zone inside of me. So um, this was not an easy decision, and it was a decision I made every single day, and sometimes twice or three times every single day. There was two struggles that I that I had to deal with every day. One was um, I'm. I'm insanely shy. I always have been. And so the one struggle was to do all of this, to go on an adventure all by myself, to get on a plane to Florida, to meet people, all of that by myself, uh, and and, and being incredibly shy. Uh, And I'm not talking the fashionable, cute shy, the kind of shy that, you know, oh my God, it takes her five minutes to say hello. No, I'm talking the shy that makes you wait out of outside of a room for 2 hours before you dare to enter to say hello to somebody the kind of shy that makes it hard for you to get on a bus because maybe you need to speak to the bus driver about something that kind of shy so this was something that i was i was struggling with every day and then the other thing was always this constant fight between the bureaucrats saying hey you know this is not this is not how it's supposed to be this is not good for you this is not going to work this is going to ruin your life uh this is not how everybody else is doing it and then the free thinker saying hey but follow your heart this is working for you this is cool this is this is your life you only have one and it's not gonna be all going on it's not gonna go on forever you know you never know how much time you get so make sure you live it authentically and uh and it was an everyday decision to live with this fear and to fight the fight and to to overcome my Shyness, which I never overcome, came, but um, I, at least I tackled it every single day. Uh, so it's it's not something that comes easy. When people say, "Hey, you just make a decision and then that's that," no, you have to decide every day. But it's worth it.
1: It's very beautiful. And you were talking about the shyness holding you back, and also the the inner bureaucrat holding you back. What was on the other hand? What kept moving you forward? What was it that? like the dream or adventure what what was it like what were the or also the character traits that moved you forward
0: It, it was just there was just no doubt that if i if i don't if i don't tackle my fears then i won't ever be able to live a fulfilled life so if i if i let myself be stopped by what's making me scared then what's left there's, it's not the life I want to live. It's, I have dreams, I have visions, I have ideas. They might not work, don't get me wrong. I might have a dream and I will fail horribly. But the fear of failure shouldn't stop me from trying. It should not stop me from doing anything. It's the same with, I'm, I'm, I'm majorly afraid of heights, uh, super scared to get on a letter. Letters and I are not friends um but I love being up in the mountains I love skiing I love uh, being I love flying so what am I gonna do am I not gonna do any of these things or I'm just gonna accept that I'm super scared and do it anyway so I went bungee jumping and skydiving and paragliding and I'm up on the mountains every weekend and I definitely don't stop skiing even though I hate going up the gondola uh just like yeah face it face it over and over again and just be aware that you live with it it's okay it might become a friend at some point
1: wow you uh let's go back to 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 your timeline and, and like basically we went up to florida to work on a yacht and you were actually doing some basically not even like on the on the ocean you went to the Erie to the to lake erie and so on right or, or what so yeah we, we went
0: you went uh, on the Intracoastal, which is uh, inland, uh, all the way up to New York, and then you go through the, the locks. There is tons and tons of locks um, where you kind of move up rather than uh, stay on the same level. And then uh, you went through—I went through those locks to Lake Erie and then to the Great Lakes, which are magnificent and beautiful in itself. It was an unbelievable trip. Um, so yeah, this was this was really a trip of a lifetime. It was the owner of the yacht always wanted to do that. He bought a yacht particularly for this trip, um, and and I was lucky to be on board for it, and it was stunning.
1: And
0: then um, I think after I think that was probably six months or something, and we came back to Florida after six months. And at some point, uh, I heard the bureaucrat knocking on my door again, like saying, "Hey, you know, maybe you should go back to Austria now and finish your degree." Uh, and this time, for some reason, he sounded convincing. He sounded more like a friend than somebody who wants to stop me. And I uh, He is the yeah. bureaucrat
1: inside of you. He's the voice, right? Inside yeah, he of was you. the
0: voice. Yep. The bureaucrat was the other voice. There's two voices always, the bureaucrat and the free thinker, those two. They like each other by now, by the way. They became friends. But back then, they weren't friends at all. They really hated each other. They just didn't agree. They didn't agree on anything. Um, so, yeah, I, I after six months more, I decided to go back to Austria to finish my degree to kind of listen to that voice and see what, what comes out of it. Um, so I I ended up back in Austria signing up for my studies again, wanting to finish the last. I think I was at eighty five percent or something. So it wasn't long anymore to actually to actually get my major.
1: And life and, had a different plan.
0: Yeah, again, right? It always has a different plan. Uh, And I took a a part-time job uh, with an industrial designer that I really, really liked. It was a cool company. Um, I was working as the marketing assistant of the CEO. Um, Great, great time working with him. And um, I also went to a couple of networking events. And at some point, and I don't, I really do not know how that happened. The shy person
1: going to networking events. I also
0: don't know how that happened, honestly. But (laughs) I got better at it at some point. People really never noticed that I was shy. I was like super, super putting my mask on and (laughs) shaking underneath it, but nobody noticed. So yeah, it's also a matter of training (laughs) at the end of the day. Um, So I I was working for this guy for three months and then continuing with my studies, uh, doing doing it the proper way, you know, the way it's supposed to be done. And uh, there was another CEO that, Came across my, my, I don't know, my CV or whatever. He came across. I don't know. At some point, this guy knocked on my door, and uh, I didn't and asked for a meeting. And I didn't know what the meeting was about. I didn't even understand what, like, how, how did you get hold of me? Um, and we started talking. And I, I have this this trait that I just tell people what I think they're doing wrong. <laughs> it's like so it's always been this way. I think this could be improved, and this could be improved, and how about fixing that? So I do this all the time um seems to lend me jobs uh did the same with him and after a couple of um, hours talking i think uh, he said that he's super unhappy with his head of marketing and he wanted to offer me the job obviously this was not a part-time job obviously this wasn't remotely a full-time job either it was like a very very full full full-time job um and there was another struggle again. Um, the bureaucrat saying, "Hey, you know, you wanted to finish your degree, and you already have a great job here. So, what are you even thinking about?" And then the free thinker said, "But this is kind of what I'm studying for. This is kind of the chance of a lifetime again. I mean, me in my age, who would have thought that after being gone for so long, I get offered the head of marketing? Like crazy, right?" Um, so after, after going back and forth, tossing in my sleep, uh, I finally made the decision to say yes um, and realized that university and I weren't the love affair that's going to last. So um, after at this point, probably 89 percent or 90 percent, I really that studies, studies are over. I, I signed up for becoming the head of marketing for this company.
1: So that, and you were organizing luxury fairs, basically, in Vienna um, and, and at the time, right, where you were the head of marketing. And how long did that last? And what did you take with you, like, from the first time being the head of marketing? Because later on, you, you had several more stints on that. Uh, but, yeah, take us with you.
0: Uh, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't luxury fairs. It was just one. Um, It was, um, it had as a role model, it had the millionaire's fair in Russia and the owner of the company wanted to bring the same format to Vienna in the Hofburg, in the Imperial Royal Palace. uh, Palace. And, uh, And I think it was just a couple of weeks before the kickoff event and nothing, nothing was done. The old head of marketing really loved his role and he loved his title and he loved everything that comes with being the head of marketing for such a good company but he didn't really like the job. So um, when, I, when I showed up, it was a war zone. Nothing was done, everything was in pieces. And uh, I had a, another colleague that was new to the game and the two of us worked, I think 16 hour days to fix that. We didn't sleep much. Uh, we, we didn't do anything but work actually, but the first event came around the corner and it was a big success. So we actually, we actually pulled the car out of the mud and, and made it beautiful and shiny and, who took it through this fantastic road trip of this luxury fair, um, and I did that for two years, and um, it was it was a never-ending job. There was always something to be done, so it wasn't it was it was a challenge every day, and I really liked it. I really appreciate challenges; otherwise, I get bored. I think. Um, and after after I think a year and a half into it, I, I thought there is I, I felt there is a roadblock. I felt there is no movement anymore, um, but it wasn't because of what I did or what my colleague did, it was because the market wanted something else, and the owner of the company kind of didn't seem to want to adjust to that. Um, and uh, and I realized that no matter how, no matter what I do, that's not gonna that's not gonna change because I can change it. I'm not owning the company; I can change what I see. Uh, if if he doesn't, if he doesn't agree with it, so I decided to.
1: So but before you, quit- before you actually, before we go to where you're going next. Uh, let's, let's also um, let's capture one thing here because what we've learned so far is that, on the one hand, you were never shy of working. Like, you, you, you might be shy in, in your private life, but always in terms of work, you always put in lots and lots and lots of work. Like, you are somebody 100% committed and you are somebody who always wanted to make a difference, if I understand it right. Like, if, if the job was something where you could make a difference, it was great. If it wasn't, then it was like, okay, that's not for me. Like, you were not just sitting around to, to collect the paychecks. Is that correct?
0: Yes, that's, that's correct. If I see potential and it can be tapped, I find it very hard. So I'm going to do everything to to make that potential come to life. But if at some point I see there is nothing more to be done, not in the role that I'm in, um, that's when I, I don't want to continue and just be successful on, my pa- on paper and have the company be successful on paper. I really want to make a difference with everything that I do. Yes.
1: Beautiful. so now the yachting or being on yachts, the career is not finished. You had a first head of marketing, but then actually there came another adventure and then a completely different role.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so at the end of these two years, I realized again, nothing, nothing, nothing more can be done. Um, and I also heard the free thinker knocking on my door again and saying, Hey, you know, I've, you've never been a fan of Vienna. You're living in Vienna again for two years. What are you doing here? You kind of need to, you need to get out of here again and see what else is there. And, um, and I knew that going back on yachts was an option. And, uh, but I kind of didn't want to go in back, back into the same roles. So I wanted to try something else. And Uh, And I wanted to do something creative and challenging and something that I've never done before and something that that I could really use also my my love for design, because I still even though I didn't become an interior designer, I still love design more than anything else. Um, So I thought, well, why not become a private chef, right? working, uh, cooking on, on on mega yachts. It's not a fixed menu. You can cook every day something else. It's all about plating. It's all about presentation. It's all about the creative artistry of of the food itself, but also the design of the plate itself. Um, and I really loved that idea. And I thought, all right, yeah, well, that, that sounds like a good idea. Uh, where am I going to do that? And then first thing that came to mind obviously was France, because where else would you learn how to cook? Um, But then I thought, yeah, I lived in France already, and and I love France. It's beautiful, but uh, is it really where I want to go back to? And the place that I always, always wanted to live was New Zealand. So I I did a little research, and I found this French cookery school, this program, actually, that was about um, winemaking and food, French food, uh, in New Zealand, in Christchurch on the South Island. And so um, I packed and uh, hopped on a plane and moved to New Zealand. So that was the next stop.
1: Wow. So, so basically at that point has your um, (laughs) I'm just thinking about about your parents and also because I'm saying this because whoever is out there and whoever is like wanting to do something different, something that is not normal, there are always going to be voices of people around you that that want to put you in a certain direction. And, of course, they always mean mean the best for you. And at the same time, it might not be actually what you want to do. So I'm just thinking your parents or your dad, who was finally like, oh, finally, she came to her senses and, and went into marketing. How was that when you told him then again, like, well, um, it's not for me. I'm going now to become a chef in New Zealand.
0: Well, he wasn't the biggest fan of this idea, obviously. He was just so happy that <laughs> I finally, you know, had this career a, a jump and 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 he was excited me being the head of marketing and uh yeah he was <laughs> he was definitely not throwing me a, a farewell party <laughs> that's for sure um but I think at that point also he had started to trust that I would make it so uh it wasn't it wasn't the path that he would have chosen for me and he still wasn't sure how far I would make it but he wasn't worried anymore that I would, I don't know, end up under a bridge, um, not knowing what to do next. So he, he saw that much, at least. Uh, and, and that was good. But um, the, my dad and I, our relationship really got intensely inspiring after several, several years after that. So at, at, now my dad is my biggest fan. But back then, he was still too worried to see all of, all of what's possible.
1: Well, I, I can relate to all of that in a way. So take us to New Zealand. You went to New Zealand and, and you, you started with the cooking and then another opportunity arose. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, it's, it's, it's really funny. Um, it, I feel so blessed and lucky because I've, I really never had to, I was just trusting that something would happen. And if it didn't happen, I just willed it to happen. Or I, I don't know, I worked hard enough for something to show up. So I think even if this opportunity hadn't come up, uh, there would have been something else. but lucky enough it did and what it was um, I was staying in Christchurch, I think for six months or something, finishing my degree, my cookery degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I was staying at a house there. I had a car and a motorbike and bicycles and it was fun life and I really enjoyed it. I loved New Zealand. This is really where my heart's at. Um, and then I had a call I received a call from friends from Florida, um, the same crew that I've been. Uh, working with the same people that were my friends even before they, they worked with me and they said that they were coming to Auckland with a mega yacht that needed a refit and they would rent this beautiful mansion this villa on the coast and there is an entire floor available just for me um, and that I just just drive up and join them and help with the refit for six months and I was like oh my god I mean how much fun is that going to see my friends again hanging out with them living with them in this big house um so I packed up everything that I had after finishing my degree and I I drove up to to Auckland to to stay with them to move in with them in this house and and to work on this refit with them together and we met so many beautiful new people and friends along the way and it was just so much fun it was an unbelievable amount of of fun up there. Um and then six months later, after a year being there, um, they were actually supposed to leave and go on this beautiful trip um across the South Pacific, Fiji, uh, Vanuatu, Samoa, Tonga, Hawaii, all of it. i heard about the trip and I was like, oh my God, this sounds like this sounds like a dream. How beautiful is that? Um, But there was no availability on the yachts. There was no crew that they were looking for. So I just kind of prepared to say goodbye to my friends and do something else. And then, surprise, surprise! I think a couple of days before they parted, one of the crew members decided that they are not going to stay on longer. That they actually want to move to New Zealand and they are going to get off the boat. And so I got off the boat, and uh, and that was the next leg of this beautiful, beautiful leg of this beautiful journey.
1: Wow! So then you basically became a private chef on that uh, on that mega yacht in the South Pacific and you were even designing then the menu and the wine menu and so on. like I, 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 can, I can literally see it in front of me because uh, also we got to know each other from work and I know how, how detail oriented and how, how everything is basically fitting together and, and when you touch something you touch it wholeheartedly. So just to sum up the, the experiences from from Yatem. First of all, what would you say what because you also got to travel a lot, what were the most beautiful and magnificent places that you got to see?
0: Oh my God, you want to make me pick? <laughs> That's difficult. Uh, so if I if I had to if I had to pick one place that I loved the most, it really was New Zealand. That was really the place that I felt most at home i love the people i love the food i love the culture i love the the scenery the landscape i mean there is ocean and mountains and i love both so that that was magnificent but when you think of the remote islands of the south pacific when you think of samoa or you think of tonga or you think of kiritimati or wherever this is all of those places to be away from the hustle and bustle of, of of the madness of 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 Western civilizations, uh, to just be focusing on, on the now on, uh, really enjoying the quiet and the peaceful nights. Um, that was, that was touching, uh, my soul, every single, every single moment of, of the days and the nights that I spent there. So there are so many beautiful places. Canada was phenomenal. Um, the South of France, obviously too. So much of the United States are, are just mind-blowingly beautiful. Um, Asia, all of them, yeah, you can't make me choose, I won't.
1: <laughs> so basically, to sum it up, there are incredible, there is beauty pretty much all over the place. It's just also for us to really see it.
0: Yeah, you take, it's a different kind of travel, right? When you when you travel for work, when I would travel as a CMO, I go to a place, I do my job. If I'm lucky, I get to look around for an evening or the morning, but it's not the same as really integrating yourself in a place. Really, becoming part of the social um, scene, or becoming part of the the environmental scene, or becoming part of just the trees, <laughs> whatever that is. Um, yeah. So that's that's a different kind of of traveling. And the thing that I always needed, though, because it sounds like just just being on yachts, just working on yachts, really never never scratched my itch entirely so i always needed to add something that is also intellectually me that i can use my creative skills with that's when you mentioned creating a wine menu i really went into graphic design again and uh, and started to copywriting uh flavors and then i i created my own website because i thought this is how i want to share my memories with my friends and my family rather than facebook which came out 2008 just when i did that so um i, I always needed something more i started videographing i started to really add all these features, photography to, to make all that I needed, to put all that I needed in this one experience or in this big experience.
1: I, I want to add a different point as well because also through your yachting, you got to, and, and of course, throughout your career, you got to work and also to engage with lots of very high profile people, like very rich people or abundant people and so on and so on. And, and for many people when they're just starting out and especially when you're not coming from money, as you said, there are all those beliefs like, Oh my God, like they might be whatever you might be thinking about them. Yeah. What has been your perspective about them, about dealing with many of those high profile people?
0: Well, the the most important part of high profile people is people. So it's people. Um, Be curious about who they are and not, what they are on paper same goes for me right be curious about who I am and not what I am on paper um just uh just be open and uh and do a reality check with yourself check your values why are you worried about talking why are you worried talking to them What, what makes you scared of them is it them or is it you there's something that's not fully uh developed yet inside of you that makes you so that makes you shy away that makes you I don't know See see them only for one thing rather than everything that they are. So that's that's the one thing that I try to apply. Be curious. Who's who's standing in front of you? It's not just a name. It's not just a title. It's not just a movie. It's not just an album, an LP. It's it's a person. It's yeah more than the high profile. It's the people.
1: I think one of those beautiful lessons also that that, that people can learn from you or that somebody can learn from you is that. That basically anything is possible. Anything that you put your mind to it, and, and there is a, an, an amazing story also about that uh, when it comes to Tiger Woods or the famous singer Rick Hale or even flying business class. <laughs>
0: yeah, you, that's it's a really small story. That's it's nothing. It sounds bigger than it is because it's not. You're throwing those big names in in the room, and it's like, oh god, what happened? nothing big happened it's literally just about being resourceful and and like you said just trying make something happen and it all evolved around my my dad's birthday actually uh, or my dad's and my mom's birthday my dad is a huge golf fan. he's a golf enthusiast he he i don't know i think he speaks in golf metaphors for the last two years only so that's that's his thing and um, for his 60th birthday, I just wanted to, I wanted to create something beautiful for him. So I went to interview every single person that was important in his life, role models, friends, family, and see what he it contributed to their life and the other way around. And I also thought it would be so fun if, uh, if Tiger Woods would congratulate my dad and say something to my dad. I mean, my dad's a big golf fan, so he's a big Tiger Woods fan. And I thought, well, you know, that would be fun, right? Um, unrealistic, but fun. And so I, I was, um, I'm good with research, and I kind of uh, managed to connect with him actually with Tiger Woods, and I uh, asked him if he would be so nice to send my dad a message for his birthday, and that worked, and he did. And uh, something similar happened with Hale, who is um, a musician, and uh, he's doing a lot of. Covers and, and mashups. And one of the mashups I really liked was um, a mashup between Fly Me to the Moon by Sinatra and I think Lucky by Jason Murath. And this song alone has 10 million views on YouTube alone. So a T is a name. It's not somebody that you, I don't know, find around the corner to quickly chat up. And um, and I thought this is the perfect song to actually rewrite lyrics uh, for. And, uh, and I really would love to get that instrumental to, to use it as a that I want to write for my dad. So I got in touch with him. Also, again, just trying to, to find uh, a way to connect with him. And also he said, of course, for your dad's birthday, I will actually send you the instrumental version of my song so you can use it to gift your dad with it so um yeah everything's possible you just try and if it doesn't work out well what have you lost
1: or business class? you told me before also like when you for anybody like everybody um when you buy an economy ticket of course it's always a dream oh maybe i get an upgrade but you got that many times
0: yeah it happened to me (laughs) Many times, yeah. Just uh, walking up to the counter, what, what, what is there you have to lose? You talk to a human being about another human being experience, and so that that worked. Yeah, upgrades. I, I seem to have a hand for upgrades. Probably not after this interview anymore. After this interview, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be in front stage, at all of those airlines, and saying, well, you don't ever give her an upgrade again. But <laughs> it worked.
1: Wow. So just uh, talking with them. Okay. Beautiful. So. Let's jump ahead a little bit because you went back after that. You really came back again to Austria. You came back to being a um, a CMO, like the, the uh, chief marketing officer, first at a at a uh, like at, at several companies. And and the last one that you were was the global head of marketing for the global market leader for strings, like for, for orchestral strings, like violin strings and so on. And also that's where we met each other. And and you did an amazing job yeah just just to to but i i actually want to to go to where you are right now because right now you are a brand architect a marketing consultant a personal development and leadership co-active coach and a creative one-stop shop what does it mean
0: uh i'm trying to connect all the dots between everything that i am and everything that i want to give or do both actually uh, and uh, so I, I took a wrong turn from this beautiful dream that I lived uh, to come back to Vienna and uh, there's that wasn't wrong for, for you it was a it was a it was not an expected turn to come back to Vienna it certainly wasn't something I planned but it happened that's another long story for another long interview Regardless, uh, I ended up in Vienna again, and like you said, as the CMO for a global market leader, um, something also that statistics probably wouldn't prove wouldn't approve of. Uh, and uh, it was a really successful job. I did this for seven years, um, and really changed the face of, of the company. And it was um, it was great. It was fun. It was so much work again, uh, and I don't remember sleeping much in those seven years either. But at some point, um, I, I really felt uh, there is there is something. There is something missing that uh, that I kind of lost on the way of being in this particular career, being this successful, being the name of this 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 title, this very important title that I mentioned before. Sometimes you kind of that that seems to become everything, uh, and I realized it's not everything to me uh, again. And I really want to do something that that is more that is more soulful than just being a business developer, running running a, the successful marketing for a company. And so I decided to to leave that beautiful job behind after seven years. Um, and that was also a very tough decision because it comes with all kinds of benefits, as you can imagine. I mean, Global's CMO of a of a market leader that is a, a really good job for a marketer. That is the dream come true when you can change the face of, of a really, really renowned company that is a hundred years old already. Um, but I, I wanted to do more. And so I decided I still want to do marketing. I still want to consult. I still want to help. Brands uh, find their identity, their soulful identity, um, becoming the best they can possibly be, adding the advertising to it because I am a copywriter, I am a graphic designer, I am a videographer, I am somebody writing campaigns. So, adding all of that to the mix to really make um, sustainable, great, soulful marketing, but then also uh, to be a coach to help um, personal development and growth, uh, but also. Brand development and growth. It's a similar thing, actually. It's interesting that uh, it's all soul-driven, brands and people. Um, And and so I I decided to to do that and and combine those beautiful C's, the creative, the consulting, and the coaching into one thing. And that's that's what I do now. And I and I love it. And it's um, it's another journey. It's not a journey that takes me on, on yachts on the water, it's a journey that takes me inside, inside myself and inside many other people. Um, that want to see what's there, that want to explore, that really want to go to the bottom of things and say, hey, I, I think I can do this, you know? Um, and, I, and that's inspiring. That's so inspiring to see how much resources there are in other people that they just need to know how to tap. And once they do that,
1: it's the explosion. Very, it's very beautiful. And we're, we're going to put the, the links to get to you also, of course, in the show notes. Um, and last but not least... Nina, 30 second last thought. Anything that you would like to give to our audience.
0: Don't don't listen to other voices and F the statistics. If it was for statistics, I should have not been the CEO of a CMO of. Of a global market leader if it was to statistics i probably should not have become uh, the head of marketing with 25 if it was the statistics i shouldn't have traveled so much because i'm based on what's finances if it was the statistics i probably should have a kid and two and a half uh, a man and two and a half kids by now and if it was to statistics i shouldn't be happy right now and all of that is the case so yeah i don't know just just F the statistics
1: thank you so much thank you thank you thank you thank you for being on the show let's give it up nina Habalina. Let's give it up to Ronnie Lieber! <laughs> Thank you for sticking with us until the end. To make this content even more valuable for you, please leave a comment below and share your thoughts and also share this video with somebody you care about who absolutely needs to see this. Thank you very much, have an outstanding day and see you next time!